What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. All right, big show today, Fantasy Football Today. We got Scott Fish joining us. He is the 2019 FSGA Humanitarian of the Year. He organizes an amazing fantasy football event. He's a charitable guy. He's an awesome, nice guy. He's joining us today. He's joining us tomorrow on Twitch. He didn't draft a wide receiver until round five, was it, uh, yep. Scott? Yep, that's uh, right. In the draft that we're going to review today. Welcome back to the show, Scott Fish. Also, Heath and Jamie are here, blah, 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 whatever. What's up, man? <laughs> oh, what's going on? Excited to be here. I, I love, I absolutely love this show, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Whoever's running the FSGA needs to rename the Humanitarian of the Year Award the Scott Fish Award. Well, if, if they do that, that, though, <laughs> Scott probably can't win it anymore, right? Like, once they name it after you, you pretty much can't win it. I think, I think that's probably a bigger honor. Just, yeah, just I agree. That would be a bigger honor. I don't, <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know that it should be named that though. But, well, uh, it was, it was very awesome for them to, to give me that. All right, let me let me tell everybody what's coming up today. We'll talk a little bit about Cam because Heath didn't get uh, his chance last night, and I want to know what Scott thinks about Cam. We will review a half PPR draft that we did two weeks ago, and it was you know the, the CBS guys plus Scott plus Jake Seely of the Athletic, Mike Taglier of Fantasy Pros, Mike Wright of the Fantasy Footballers, Liz Loza of Yahoo, Brad Evans of FTN. So it was an industry draft and uh, some interesting results. Um, Josh Jacobs going, I think, sixth over seventh overall. He was the sixth running back off the board. We'll talk about things like that. Um, and uh, we've got top fives coming up all this week after today. And then we'll talk about the Scott Fish Bowl and the crazy scoring. Get your calculators out if you're in the Scott Fish Bowl, but Scott's going to help us out how to draft best strategies and things like that. You can follow him at ScottFish24. So tell us about yourself and uh, about Fantasy Cares. Uh, sure. I, I guess uh, about myself, I just, uh, I've been in the industry for a good 15 or so years and uh, full time, I, I run a commissioner service called Safe Leagues. Um, I, I basically run dynasty and redraft leagues. I've been doing analysis uh, on the radio and on podcasts for years. I have a weekly radio show in season on uh, syndicated around the nation and on iHeartRadio called Fantasy Football Weekly. I do with Paul Charchian. And uh, yeah, I, I, I run the Scott Fishbowl, which is a, a big event to, to help raise money to buy toys for kids. 
uh, at Christmas time, uh, fundraising effort through Fantasy Cares. And this year, we're also giving a large amount of money to the Injustice League. Um, so we, we have in other, in previous years, we, we help other causes as well. It's not just uh, Toys for Kids, even though that's the, the main one. Um, we helped during the hurricanes, uh, the hurricane in Texas, we gave to that. We've given to food shelves. Uh, we've, we've done a lot of relief efforts as well. So um, it, it's very good. I, I like to push out there. Uh, in your league, take one of those entry fees, give it to charity. You're not going to miss it. You're doing something awesome. There are hundreds of thousands of fantasy leagues. If we all banded together just a little bit, uh, we could do a lot of good out there. The nicest human being in fantasy. Well, enough about Heath. What's up, Heath? <laughs> he's, like, he's like bizarro Adam Azer. <laughs> well, I don't know why you say, you know, I'll have you know, Scott and I were talking before the show started. He, I might... There, there are a few Scott Fishbowl spots left. This might be the year I might join Scott Fishbowl. What, like, <laughs> do you realize that a lot of people, for the first time, will be listening to our podcast today because we have Scott Fish on and they are fans of Scott Fish and everything that he has done. And so, like, oh, well, let's check out this podcast. And these people have wanted for multiple years to get into the Scott Fish Bowl. And then we've got Adam Azer, our host. You know, there's a couple spots left. <laughs> I might decide to do it this year. What an absolute jerk. Uh, so maybe yeah, I should auction, auction off my spot to charity. You really are a jerk about this. I'm sorry. I have a lot of leagues. Like, I, I don't I don't I just, you know, I'm trying to make, make You're time. You're not making things any better. Now, I think it was two or three years ago. I don't remember when the first time was when um, we had Scott Fish on the podcast and I, um, I threw a number out there that I think we thought maybe was too big at the time. I asked Scott if uh, we were, this was going to be the year that Fantasy Cares cracked 50,000. Mm. Um, I think it's done that like three years in a row now, right? At least two. It hit 60 last year. It was 44.5 the year before. But it and, seems like... And this like- year it's going to hit, yeah. From what I've seen, like this year has been about the most aggressive start ever. So we might as well just go ahead and hit 75,000 this year. Hey, You'd think it could, but this year I, I changed gears a little bit. I, I mean, we have the potathon, we have the T-shirts, we have uh, we have celebrity eliminators. We're raising monies in a bunch of different ways, but I challenged everyone in SFB and I challenged people on Twitter to. There are so many things going on out there, uh, from from COVID to race relations and everything that uh, I I told people we need to uh, <laughs> race relations, racial injustice. Uh, I told people, get out there and give to what you're passionate about. If it's not us, that's that's fine. Just give to what you're passionate about because a lot of charities need money this year. And, and so our the numbers might be down this year for us personally, but I, I think that the money raised overall is going to be far higher, even if it doesn't come to us to give to what we give to. So, Scott, there is a spot open for Adam right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I have uh, looks like about five. I have about five spots, and and then several more that are earmarked okay, for so, contests. Okay, so so let's do this, Adam. If you say yes right now to being in the Scott Fishbowl, I will donate five hundred dollars in your name. Five hundred dollars in your name. That's it. No, just, yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm in. I'm. <laughs> yes, yes. I, there we I, go. I, a thousand times, yes. I, I am in the Scott Fishbowl, and now I'm very All right, excited. There you go. 
So Scott, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put the donation in today in Adam's name. We'll, we'll talk to you. That's terrific. That's awesome. Wow. That's all right. Amazing. Making, making wow. history here on FFT. All right. Thank you, Jamie. That's incredibly wow. generous of you. And thank you, Scott. And uh, let's, let's get into fantasy football. So Cam Newton, we did a, a bonus pod last night. It was uh, me, Jamie and Ben. So, you know, you heard what Jamie and Ben Gretsch have to say about it. Let's hear what Heath and Scott have to say about it. And Jamie, you're allowed to talk too, um, especially after that donation. So, all right, Heath, where is he in your rankings? This is all very, very, very subject to change, but I moved him up one spot ahead of Gardner Minshew. He's in that QB 14, QB 15 range. Not someone that if you were t- doing a draft today and you only wanted to draft one quarterback and everybody else drafts two in your league, not someone you could draft solely as your starter. But what I wrote in my dynasty rankings piece this morning that I updated because it was all about Cam Newton was that he might be one preseason game away from being a consensus top 10 redraft quarterback. If we just see him on a football field looking like Cam Newton in a game, Mm -hmm. he's going to skyrocket up the ranking. So I wouldn't blame anybody for ranking him in the top 12 right now. I still believe that he has top five upside, but the Patriots didn't guarantee him really anything at all. It's possible he shows up at camp and he's just not Cam. Newton anymore because of all of the injuries in that case they could cut bait before the season even starts okay Scott so last last night we were debating like Aaron Rodgers versus Cam Newton Ben Roethlisberger Daniel Jones guys like that Um, in fact Jamie has it Jones Roethlisberger Rodgers Cam he has Cam 16th you just heard uh, Heath 14th so how about you where where do you think you'd have uh, Cam Newton uh, I think I'd have him up about in the same range right now. I, I would still, I weirdly would still want guys like the upside of Joe Burrow ahead of him too. <laughs> like, I think I would have him probably in that 16, 17 range as well. Um, maybe even I'd, I'd have to think about I'd maybe even drew Locke ahead of him too. I, it'd be very, it'd be very, that's, 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 that's tough. I just love Locke's weapons and I think they're going to really let him air it. Um, but uh yeah, I probably have Cam about there. I think Heath is right on the we just need to see it from him. I don't I honestly don't see unless Cam really really craps the bad. I don't see them letting him just just cutting him. It feels like they generally like uh some vets like that in the room, but I suppose they have Hoyer. Um no, I I can see a couple good preseason games him jumping into the top 10 because people love that rushing upside in quarterbacks. But right now, I just got I just have to see it. I trust in so many other quarterbacks to play a full 16 games or close to. Um so, yeah, probably probably late teens for me. Jamie, I'll start with you. Which Patriots player is affected the most either positively or negatively with Cam Newton if Cam Newton is a starting quarterback? The only guy that I adjusted, and as we talked about this uh, when, when we first did the, the podcast Sunday night, is Nikhil Harry. Uh, I, I don't think Edelman changes very much uh, just because I think he was so dependent on the rapport with Tom Brady. So, you know, whether it was going to be Stidham or now Cam or, you know, <laughs> who knows, maybe Brian Hoyer surprises us. Uh, but, you know, with Cam, I think, you know, Edelman will be good. I moved him up one spot, I think, in PPR. So he's at 30. I think I had him at 31. And, and Harry, I didn't have ranked in my top 60. He was just outside that. And now he's, uh, he, he's just outside um, the 40s. You know, he's right around 50 for me. So, you know, about a 10 spot, you know, jump for Harry. Uh, now, like I said last night, he goes from uh, a guy you were drafting as your fifth receiver with upside to a guy you can probably draft as your fourth receiver and maybe somebody that can end up starting for you at times if things go right for him. Because I do think that Cam will challenge down the field. And I think that's what Nikhil Harry needs. Heath? 
Yeah, I like. I think the guy that moved the most was Harry. I couldn't quite get him into my top 60 because there are just so many wide receivers and he showed us so very little last year, but I mostly agree with the things Jamie said. I'm a little bit worried. It's a two-sided coin, but I'm a little bit worried what this means for Sony Michelle because obviously Cam Newton's one of the greatest red zone rushers um, in recent history. And Michelle is very, very reliant on those touchdowns and so i do think like the share of the running back carries probably gets smaller with cam there the share of their touchdowns gets smaller and they still have 17 running backs three of which will probably have great games at some point during the season all right scott final word any change james white sony michelle Nikhil harry julian Edmond, whoever any big change for you not really because uh, i think i think uh i think james white is going to be similar with, with Cam that uh, he would have been uh, with Stidham or was with Brady, maybe a slight downgrade to the offense as a whole, uh, you know, from down from Brady, but from, from Stidham to, to Cam, maybe Jamie's got a point on, on the better, longer deep balls. So, so maybe that does play into Harry a little bit better and less Edelman. So I can see a slight upgrade for Harry, uh, but otherwise I'm, I'm not as worried. Michelle just like, I think half his touchdowns came in one game Heath last year. Like he, he's not even really that great of a proficient touchdown scorer. So I, I don't know how much I move Michelle anyway. He's, he's a guy that I'm, I'm fine with grabbing as my, you know, fourth running back because he's going to get a lot of volume. But other than that, uh, most of the guys stay the same for me. Maybe Harry a slight bump. I, I agree with that analysis. Yeah. I just want to ask you a quick question. Cause I know you mentioned, you know, the stuff that you do with dynasty. You were talking redraft, taking Burrow and and Locke ahead of Cam, or is that more a dynasty thing? Uh, well, it's well, definitely, definitely in dynasty. But even even in redraft, uh, I tend to be an upside chaser. I I, I I'm a guy with uh, you know with a quarterback like that. I can see all the weapons that Burrow has, and even even though rookie quarterbacks don't have the greatest track record when you do hit on them that we're not talking about my QB one here, we're talking right. about my backup QB. And when I go for a backup QB in a one QB league or even super flex, I tend to tend to shoot at the high upside uh, QBs instead of the safe guys, the safe guys I grab with my QB ones. Okay. All right. So that's going to wrap up our cam discussion for now. Some things to promote the Scott fish bowl. We're doing a mock draft. So if you're participating in it and you want to see, look, it's it, there's a lot of different rules, super flex, uh, tight end premium points for completions and incompletions or negative points for incompletions. Scott's going to talk about that later, but we have a mock draft Tuesday on Twitch. That is uh, twitch.com slash FF today. It's also half PPR and half point per first down. So there's a lot going on there. Uh, that's 7 p.m. Eastern Tuesday night on Twitch. We're going to be doing this and uh, you can follow along. You can ask us questions and you can subscribe. If you become a Twitch subscriber to our channel, twitch.com slash FF today. And by the way, if you have an Amazon Prime account, you can link that to your Twitch account for a free month. Um, you will have a league, a Twitch league. You can participate in that Twitch league um, with us. You can be one of the eight people we'll select. So that's pretty cool. Twitch.com slash FF today. And we've got uh, four more episodes coming up this week. It's top five week. Fun topics like top five wide receivers after round 10. Five players we're avoiding. And we'll have a real fantasy topic on Friday. But we're also going to have the top five best patriotic movies since July 3rd that day. Scott, what's the best patriotic movie ever? 
Patriot? No. <laughs> be, it's up there. It's going to be on my top Born five. Born on the 4th of July? I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. Independence Day? <laughs> That's Independence Day is right? very interesting. It's fair. It's like so... <laughs> So cocky, like for Americans to think that we're saving the world <laughs> in a global effort on July Fourth. The very arrogant. Let me guess for you, Independence Day isn't a July Fourth movie. <laughs> I don't really think it is. It has nothing to do with America. It just, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I think, like honestly, Rocky Four is is probably going to be uh, in my top five. That's a pretty sure. patriotic day. This uh, is a terrible category, and you're still going to have the worst choices. <laughs> this is a great category. People will be into it. There's right, only let's... one answer. It's Die Hard. Oh, please. <laughs> it's always Die Hard. It it's came out in the summer. <laughs> That's right. I think it came out in July. Um, all yeah. right. Half PPR draft. So before we get into Scott's team, I have, and I'm sure you guys won't agree because you don't agree with anything. I have the, uh, the five most interesting picks of the draft, according to me. Mm. And they are Josh Jacobs and Derrick Henry, 7th and 8th overall. James Conner, 33rd overall. Keenan Allen, 53rd overall. And Mark Ingram, 65th overall. Wow. Let's start with the first two, Jacobs and Henry, 7th and 8th overall. Jacobs was RB18 in this format, but he missed three games. He was RB13 on a per-game basis. Derrick Henry was RB3. Now, you hear me talk a lot about 50 catches. Um... Aaron Jones screws up all my numbers by having 49 catches last year. So if we go with 49 <laughs> catches over the last four seasons, there have only been two running backs who have finished top five in half PPR with less than 49 catches. Uh, now, these guys were drafted sixth and seventh at, at running back, but I think it's still a very relevant number. Only two running backs, Ezekiel Elliott and Derrick Henry. Zeke, Zeke in 2016, Henry last year. So... You know, it's, it's relevant. However, there have been 18 running backs in the last four seasons, so four or five per year that have finished top 12 with less than 50 catches or 49 catches. Um, all right, that said, Jamie, what do you think about Josh Jacobs and Derrick Henry in round one right after the top six picks, which are basically, you know, consensus in some order? I'm coming around a lot on Jacobs. I, I think he's going to have, I think, uh, a very solid season. Uh, I've actually moved him ahead of Miles Sanders in non-PPR and half PPR. Um, I think he could be one of the guys challenging to lead the league in rushing this year. So I think he's a little too soon in this draft, but I do think he's now a borderline first-round pick if you're going to see a lot of running backs go in the first round, which I think is going to happen. Um, Henry, you know where I come out on Henry. I mean, I, I'm not a Derrick Henry guy this year, but this is the spot he's probably going to go in non-PPR and half PPR. If he's healthy and plays 16 games, he's going to be, you know, a, a potential top five pick. So we saw it last year, how good he could be, what the upside is for him. Uh, he could lead the league in rushing. He could lead the league in, in touchdowns, uh, certainly from, you know, just on the ground. So if you're inclined to take, you know, two guys that are going to be very involved in their offense, carrying the ball, probably limited in the passing game, these are two guys you're going to gravitate toward. I like Joe Mixon better than both, uh, but this is the right range for them to go if it's going to see if we're going to see as I think we expect a lot of running backs going in the first round. Well, Scott, you took Joe Mixon, you took him tenth yep. overall. Then Jamie took Miles Sanders. So I'll just, I guess, I'll just recap the first round so you can see who Jacobs and Henry were taken ahead of. So it's McCaffrey, Barkley, Kamara. Heath took Zeke, then Dalvin Cook, Michael Thomas, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry. Then it was Devontae Adams. Jane, this is a three-receiver league, right? 
Yes. And a flex. Okay. Devontae Adams, then Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, and Julio Jones. Considering it's half PPR, three receivers and a flex, um, no Tyreek Hill in this round, no DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you know, so very running back heavy with just three three wide receivers. But, um, all right, yeah, you took Mixon. Of course, Jacobs and Henry, Henry were off the board. But if all three of them had been on the board, Scott, who would you have taken? Mixon. I actually I actually took Chubb in the second round, and I have Mixon and Chubb ahead of both Jacobs and Henry, but in that order. So it's, it's we're splitting hairs here. But uh, I, I'm, I'm with uh, Jamie on that. It's just the receiving potential out of really both Mixon and Chubb compared to the other two, but definitely Mixon. It's just the way he looks in the receiving game, if, if the Bengals got their act together and passed to him more and, and the way Joe Burrow used uh, Clyde in uh, at LSU, if, if they can get that going with Mixon, cause he just looks good in the passing game that I know the stats haven't bared it out yet. Um, I think he could, he has great potential uh, in the receiving game. And, and so I would take him above both those. I'm actually surprised you didn't, I did Leonard, Leonard Fournette's 2017 not hit your point per game stats on that. Because I feel like he had like 13, 1400 yards and 10 touchdowns in 13 games. Uh, I don't do per game. Oh, you don't do per yeah. game. Okay. That in, the, in that particular. Out. Yeah. I, I was going to say. Well, he, because, he, because, he, 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 you, you know. our show enough. You've been on enough. Adam skews things the way he no, wants I don't. to. It's, it's, it's the Adam Azer stats That's ridiculous. Show. No. We just kind of branded <laughs> the 50 to 49 catch thing is actually, perfect. If he were to lower his camera. He's got the eye from CBS, but underneath it says Adam Azer stats. That's the way he likes to. <laughs> no, no, it's a, it's a, it's who finished in the top 12. I mean, look, you yeah, start getting into yeah. per game. Guys miss time. Yeah, not going to get to 50 that's catches. True. That's true. That's true. Um, whatever you could, could, could do it that way as well. No, um, I, ju- I just, when you were saying that, I was like, he's going to mention Fournette's 2017 any second here. Cause that guy was <laughs> pretty beastly for. Yeah. And, and Fournette actually, I was going to mention him in this draft too. Cause he went 36th, which was. Pretty high, but I try to try to pick some players that we haven't talked quite as much about. Uh, Heath, something tells me that if you were picking in the back half of the first round, you had the fourth pick and you took Zeke, that you wouldn't have taken Jacobs and you wouldn't have taken Henry and you wouldn't have taken Mixon, that you would have taken Devontae Adams. Um, yeah, definitely over Mixon, definitely over Jacobs. Half PP, like definitely in non-PPR, I'm taking Henry over Devontae Adams. In, or definitely in, in on, yeah, but in half PPR, it's really, really close. I don't really, like, I understand the the hope and the upside for Josh Jacobs, but it's pretty much that he could just be what Derrick Henry was last year, I think. Um, I don't think the Raiders have given us any signal that they're going to open up what he does in the passing game very much, and I don't think the Raiders are going to be good enough to run as much as the Titans did last year. So I've got Henry considerably ahead of Jacobs. I'm okay with him in that spot. Um I I might have taken Adams over him though. It's kind of interesting. What is the argument for Jacobs over Derrick Henry? I don't really think you can use the injury argument, you know, when talking about Jacobs. Yeah, Jacobs still hasn't shown us that he can handle that kind of type of workload. Right. Um, but I think the argument would be don't chase last year's stats. Pick the guy that's going to do that this year. Right. I, like I I feel like I'd I feel like Josh Jacobs is awesome. But so is Derrick Henry. I don't know. I, I understand why somebody would take Jacobs over Henry. He's he's younger and it matters at running back. But I guess I can't really come up with a great reason for it. Right? I can't. I'm just for me, it's just I, I I'm just terrified of Derrick Henry coming off the, the workload from last year. You know, so uh I think, you know, he said it, you know, I, I'm never gonna be somebody that that chases last year's stats when I think there's a, a player that has 
similar type of upside. Um, I, I think they're, they profile somewhat similar because again, the, the passing game work, uh, I do think there's a little bit more likelihood that Jacobs is involved in his passing game more so than Henry is with his because of the, the, what the potential could be. I mean, you know, Henry's been sort of, you know, 18 catches last year was his career high. You know, I, I don't, I don't know if we're going to see a, a scenario of, uh, you know, Jacobs being worse than that. So I, I think like to me, I think he could get to like 35 catches. I don't think he's going to be a 50 catch guy or 49 to make your list, but you know, 30 plus, <laughs> I think he can get in that range. And I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. Okay. Let's move on to our next interesting pick. It was James Connor. Um, Connor goes 33rd overall, ninth pick of the third round, 18th running back off the board. So 18 running backs and 33 picks. Uh, and he was RB seven on a per game basis in 2018. He played 13 games, 973 yards and 12 touchdowns on the ground, plus 497 yards and one touchdown receiving. He was just outstanding. So Scott, if I, I take a look here at, um, James Connor going, uh, after, me. after oh, one pick before you, you took Patrick Mahomes after Jonathan Taylor, which was Ben Gretsch after to- like Ben Gretsch <laughs> is just going to take Jonathan Taylor earlier and earlier. Every draft middle of the third round. Now, uh, after Chris Carson, after Todd Gurley, before David Montgomery, I don't know. Before Melvin Gordon, who went pretty late, I guess, compared to the other, before Le'Veon Bell. All right. What do you think about uh, James Conner there in the middle of that? I'm fine with that spot, I guess, but I'm never going to be the one to take him. Just be, I, I understand the end of year stats looked great, but in the first eight weeks last year, he had six different injuries. <laughs> I I mean, he's just constantly hurt. And, and I never know when that next injury is going to be a five game miss. Uh, I just, I just can't, I just can't trust it. I know that the Steelers running back, is one to have, even when it's Benny, Benny Snell getting 20 carries, you know, like they, they love to go to one running back. And when that's James Conner, it's going to be great. I just, I just can't trust that. I just have, don't have a lot of faith that every week I know I can sit and plug him in. And we're talking about a third rounder. You're like the core core of your team. I like to be a lot safer in those early rounds. So you would have taken Mahomes over him if they were both on the board. Yeah. Would you take David Montgomery? Wait, hold on. Melvin- just, just, I want to clarify because Scott went running back, running back. So if you had maybe gone a different route, would he be somebody in, in consideration for you? No, I, I know what you're saying. And I totally agree with you, you know, in terms of the yeah. safety factor. But I think, like I said, we're going to see all these running backs get pushed up in drafts. And so if you had gone a different route, would you have considered maybe Connor there? I would have definitely considered it. If, if I, if, if I had gone, you know, something like wide receiver and then, you know, a Kittle Kelsey type or, or some, some kind of interesting where I wasn't sitting on a running back already. Uh, yeah, I definitely would have considered him there just because when he does play, he's that good. But if I'm already, if I already have my main starting running back, he's, he's likely not a choice for me. The three running backs who went right after him, Montgomery, Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, Heath, how many of them would you take ahead of James Conner? Um, I would take Le'Veon Bell and Melvin Gordon ahead of Connor, but they're right in the same range. Like, I don't think he went necessarily maybe a, a, a half a round too early here, but this is right about the range where you'd expect all of those guys to go. And in half PPR, Bell and Connor are almost a push for me. In full PPR, I'd, I'd, cons- I'd much rather have Bell. What about Montgomery? I've got Montgomery a little bit behind that group. 
Okay. Um, just because I think his he's got a bit of a catch problem as well, obviously, with Tariq Cohen there. Yeah. I asked the questions around here, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to our next one. Keenan Allen, Jamie, 53rd off the board, 24th wide receiver selected. Three straight seasons, top 12 in PPR. Three straight seasons, top 15 in non-PPR. So obviously top 15 and half PPR as well because he's a high catch guy. I think 97 or more catches three straight years for Keenan Allen. Um, but he, again, he's wide receiver 24 in this draft. He goes just after his four wide receiver, or five wide receivers in a row in the fifth round. DK Metcalf, AJ Green, T.Y. Hilton, Keenan Allen, Stefan Diggs. And Heath and I both passed up Keenan Allen. I passed him up for DK Metcalf, Heath for T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Jamie, what do you think about this value here for, for Allen? I think it's good value, but it's the spot I expect him to go, you know, the range I expect him to go in behind the receivers that were taken. Um, I just think, you know, we're going to see a downgrade for him with the quarterback change. So, you know, with what Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor is, is going to do uh, by comparison to Phillip Rivers, uh, eventually Justin Herbert, I think at some point, you know, whether it's late in the season or, however things go early in the year for the Chargers, but I just think it's a downgrade for Allen, you know, so he'll elevate the quarterback play because he's an elite talent, but will he elevate the quarterback play enough to help his own numbers? And I think that's the concern. So for a guy that doesn't typically score a lot of touchdowns for the receptions that are probably going to come down, the yards will come down with it. I just don't think that he's the same guy anymore without a quarterback like Rivers running the offense. Do you think the three wide receivers who went ahead of him, Metcalf, Green and Hilton were good picks, mistakes? No, I think they're great picks. I mean, you know, Metcalf, we've talked a lot about, you know, if, if things work out well for him, if he gets over, you know, the, the 120 target threshold, certainly if the Seahawks open up the offense a little bit and, and, and give Russell Wilson what he wants, he could be a, an absolute superstar. T.Y. Hilton benefits with Phillip Rivers. You know, that's the swap. So I think, you know, Hilton healthy is, uh, they're very similar. They're not high touchdown guys. You know, the, the, the catches obviously are different, but, um, you know, just in terms of how they score, score touchdowns, uh, I think Hilton will benefit with a quarterback like Rivers and then, um, AJ Green is the wild card here, but you know if he's anything close to what AJ Green typically is, then this is a steal in round five. All right, Jamie, listen, man, why are you disrespecting Mark Ingram? Why are you taking Kareem Hunt over Mark Ingram? Why is everybody disrespecting Mark Ingram? Guy's not even a top sixty pick, sixty fifth overall, Mark Ingram. Jamie, I'll, I'll start with you because you did take the running back who went just before him, three picks before Ingram. Uh, you took Kareem Hunt. You also took Cam Akers. So with back-to-back picks, you go Akers in round five, Hunt in round six, and you leave Mark Ingram, who was like top 10 last year, a career overachiever when it comes to touches. Like he's just scores so many touchdowns. Um, what what were you thinking, sir? This was non-PPR. I would have taken Ingram ahead of both those guys, but in half PPR, PPR, you know, I think you're going to see Akers was, so the way I started my team was um, with Miles Sanders, then three receivers. And so... I was looking more upside at that point as my RB2, as opposed to, you know, a little bit more of a safe, uh, safe option. And, and maybe that would have made more sense to take Ingram over one of those two guys to have, you know, one upside play, let's say acres, and then a little bit more of a safety valve in, in Mark Ingram. But the addition of JK Dobbins, as we all know, um, he's going to be 31 by the end of the season. So he is age 30 by the time the year starts. Uh, I do think that what the Ravens are saying is probably going to ring true that they're going to give Gus Edwards a couple of touches and maybe Justice still plays a little bit on offense, but we know Lamar Jackson is going to dominate this offense as well, running the ball. So we've said this time and time again, Heath has pointed it out, the regression coming for him. He's not going to catch five touchdowns again on the limited number of receptions that he had last year. 
And so I think with everything trending in the wrong direction for Ingram, um, he might be safer than Hunt, but Hunt, as we saw, once he was involved in the passing game, was was probably, uh, I don't know, better at that point in the season, but you know, on par. And if Hunt gets a bigger role carrying the ball, I think he has a higher ceiling than what Mark Ingram does. All right, Heath and, and uh, Scott, I want you guys to weigh in there. Start with Heath. Mark Ingram, 65th overall. What do you, what do you think about that? It's fine. Um, like, I definitely am going to have him ranked higher than that in non-PPR, but he will be in most versions of my bust column this year because he is going to regress so hard on the touchdowns. I think he's probably going to lose a few touches. Like, last year, they gave him 35% of their total rush attempts when Gus Edwards was the second best back on the team. Now it might be that Mark Ingram's the second best back on the team. I think there's a real risk, not just that Ingram at his advanced age gets hurt or isn't as good, but by midseason that it's just clear and obvious to everyone that J.K. Dobbins is better than Mark Ingram. So I've got a lot of concerns about Ingram. There's absolutely nothing there for him in the passing game. I think there's a decent chance he's not a top 30 back. All right. On the other hand, Scott, Gus Edwards had 133 carries. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Dobbins, it's kind of like the same thing I say about Jamal Williams and, and A.J. Dillon. I mean, is Dobbins going to get 133 carries? Uh, what's Jamie thinks they're going to use all of the guys. What do you think about Ingram, I guess, and, and this value? I think the fact that Gus Edwards, Gus Edwards got that many carries says that they're going to give J.K. Dobbins the chance to prove himself to the tune of 75, 100 plus carries, whatever. And I think he's going to do it. I I think he's not wrong. I think it's very possible, closer to probable, that J.K. Dobbins is the better back. And they're going to realize that by season end. Um, Yeah, I'm. Mark Ingram is a guy that you love, absolutely love to get as your your running back three or four, definitely three, but uh, or definitely four and maybe three. But as your RB one or two, uh, I, I'm just I'm just not loving it. I believe Jamie was the one that said every single arrow is pointing in the wrong direction. I believe Jamie said, and that that feels like the the exact way to describe Mark mm-hmm. Ingram for this year. By the way, I, you know, just one more point. I think they kind of learned their lesson a little bit, which is you know, speaks volumes to not just Dobbins being the future, but, you know, he, he hurt himself at the end of the year last year, they had the bye week, you know, he didn't play week 17. So they had the bye week and, and a couple of extra, you know, days to get him right for the playoffs. But I don't think he was hundred percent in that game against the Titans. And he's such a big part of what this offense is that they probably want him at his best November, December, January. And for their case, you know, hopefully February, but um, I, I think they're going to ease him back a little bit just to make sure he's right by the end of the year. Yeah, and I just want to say, for those of you who think that I'm YPC for life, if I were and I'm a Miami Hurricane, I would be all about Gus Edwards. (laughs) 5.3 yards per carry in his career and 270 carries. But I don't think he's very good. Uh, All right, so I just wanted to defend myself. Always have to do that when I'm on my show, which is weird. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll look at Scott's team. He can justify all his picks. We can pick them apart. And then we'll talk about the Scott Fishbowl. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. 
Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. He's got Patrick Mahomes. He's got Mark Andrews, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon. It's pretty good. How about those wide receivers? Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry, and Christian Kirk, and Will Fuller as his flex. All right, that's Scott Fisher's team. Welcome back to Fantasy Football Today. Okay, Heath, I'll just, just get it out of the way. Go ahead. Uh, I, I just wanted to make sure that Scott thanked you for allowing him to be on your show. Did you reach out to Scott? Did you tell Scott to come on? It's clearly your show. We're just all a part of it. <laughs> I, I think I told episodes. you to have Scott on, did I not? Uh, you sort of did. I said, yeah, which, yeah, yeah, you kind of did. Yeah. I said, which guest should I get? I said, please say Scott fish. Jamie said, get Scott fish. Um, my, my, my whole plan was get Scott on the show, lose $500 <laughs> and get you to play in a fun fantasy league. That was my entire plan. Works for me. Brilliant plan. Hey, yeah, actually, genius. um, if we could bring in our producer, Ben Schrager back from vacation, Ben, did you do your homework assignment? Oh, Absolutely. You you watch Tommy, but who's calling you? <laughs> you watch. That's definitely my grandparents checking in on their house. <laughs> you watch Tommy Boy. What'd you think? Watch Tommy Boy. Hilarious. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Honestly, so many good lines. Was shocked that it was that funny. And now you usually don't have great recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true with movies. I'm I'm great with movie recommendations. What? You told me to stop watching Homeland. I did. Is Homeland a movie? Okay, so you're just terrible at TVs. Fine, I'll I'll accept that. But I'm great with movies. Uh, I will I, say this. I, I I don't think I told you, Adam. I finally watched Prisoners, and it was very good. Oh hell yeah, man! All right, Fish, Scott Fish, give me a movie recommendation. Somebody says, "Hey, I really want to watch a movie tonight. What should I watch?" Uh, man, how popular? Have you seen Logan Lucky? I've never heard of it. Okay, watch watch Logan Lucky then. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey Scott, I had a question for you too. Kind of like movie. a heist movie. Yeah. How, do you have you seen the uh, the Avengers movies? Yes, just went through all of them with my son. Uh, the 2012 Avengers. Avengers. <laughs> oh, the, no. the Avengers. Avengers. Okay. Um, some people on this podcast or one person may have said it's just not that good. I've seen all of these scenes in, trans, in the Transformers movie. Oh boy! Comparing that to a Michael Bay movie is no. That's, uh, the, you know, if you, I'm telling you, you watched that last. I don't know how long it was. I just was tuning in. It was on like TNT, and I was like, "Gosh, this is this just looks like Transformers. They're just destroying a city. This is not as good as I thought it was, as I thought it would be." Okay. <laughs> I really liked Endgame or. I don't know the one after that, maybe. I, I, end game I think will be they, the end. I think they all lead up to it, and I, and I guess I can kind of see your point. I, I if you Thank watch you. them in a row, no, stop, stop right there. Don't stop right there. This is trying to be nice. You're good. This is me trying to be nice. I, I, I can see that you probably just saw a ton of action, but it's it's such a culmination of of all these other superheroes in those movies gained together for one movie, and that's that that movie's kind of unique in the series really fun in the series because 
it has a huge battle scene that's just awesome and that's halfway through the movie and then there's another one at the end i man i i'm a big fan of that movie so we're, we're doing the same thing you did we're, we're going through chronologically in like the order that things happened with yep, my 10 exactly. year old right now yeah. and i think that uh is still either first or second we're about we're i think we're up to ant-man tonight but uh mm. it's still first or second in our uh rankings yeah Scott, Ant-Man. Uh, adam just sent schrager a note saying clip that i see your point <laughs> Listen, that's exactly what he did. Does it uh doesn't Ant-Man kind of feel like the Marvel people just kind of ran out of ideas and they were like, all right, what what else can we do? It's the Adamazer of Avengers (laughs) for sure. Man. But Paul Rudd is amazing though. He's amazing. He's funny. Ant-Man is probably one of my son's favorite of the Marvel series just because he's so funny. It's just kind of a ridiculous character, I just think. Like Ant-Man, that's a superhero. He's, He's probably in the middle for me, but he's yeah, it's uh He's good. Mosquito Man. Our podcast is the first thing time is saying um, the same thing about you, Adam. He's just kind of a ridiculous character. <laughs> Plus, he Chris can turn into Paul giant Rose, ants, Some man. sort of podcast together or something. I forget what it was. And uh, apparently, um, they filmed they filmed him. They filmed uh, Paul Rudd doing some sort of scene from Greece. Uh, they they pranked him on his first day on the set. But one of the things they said was uh, Paul Rudd has three of the biggest um, I don't know genres or, or groups of of shows he's been on friends he's in marvel and he's in the uh judd apatow group you know with uh with yeah. anchorman like he, he he hits like almost every benchmark he's also in the wet hot american summer group which is the state people um for those of you who grew up watching the state uh so yeah he's all over the place and uh yeah he's he's grown i didn't love paul rudd at first but now he's i'm a huge fan um, you have a lot of time to in. do those things when you don't age yeah, I know. I know. He looks he like I was watching Clueless a couple weeks ago. He looks like younger yeah, cool. now than he did in Clueless. This is kind of crazy. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh so so let's go to Scott's team here. Um so he already mentioned you took two running backs for the first two picks. He had the I think the what the ninth pick was it? Ninth pick? Tenth, tenth pick? Tenth. Tenth pick. Okay. So Joe Mixon round one, Nick Chubb round two. No beef there, good stuff. Round three, Patrick Mahomes. And then round four was Mark Andrews. All right, so that was interesting. You still had David Montgomery and Melvin Gordon and and Le'Veon Bell on the board, but you already had two running backs. Robert Woods, Odell Beckham, Amari Cooper. They could have been your first wide receivers. Yeah, actually, my first wide receiver, I I was torn. And it took me down to four ticks on the clock to Mm. take Mahomes over Calvin Ridley. And then Jamie went and took him with the next pick, which I love seeing because that just confirms that I was at least in the right area. Um, And then my plan was to take A.J. Brown on the other side. And then Jamie took him. So so I I quickly pivoted to to go with a a top three tight end um, and just grab a ton of uh, safe plus a mixture of safe and upside wide receivers later. I figured having that top quarterback, top running, top wide receiver, and two top running backs, I could play around a little with the end of my draft. Okay. And then you ended up taking your wide receivers, Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry, Christian Kirk, and Will Fuller as your flex. You he also, also got your oh, favorite yeah. receiver. Oh, yeah. All right. So Scott's from Minnesota. He's a Vikings fan. Mm-hmm. I've been saying that I think Justin Jefferson, and I don't look, I don't have a ton of conviction about this. Okay. I, I admit <laughs> 
Because I think it's a toss. I really think it's a toss-up. Like, predicting who the best rookie-wide receiver is going to be, I don't know how you could sit there and be super confident in the picket right now. I think it's going to be Justin Jefferson. I just think it's an, he has an obvious role to slot into, pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? I think Thielen will have to bounce outside a little bit more. They've already talked about in Minnesota that they're going to move Justin Jefferson inside. I mean, he was sliding college, obviously, but they're going to move in, have him inside a lot. Uh, I think it's a good spot for him. Uh, I went on a podcast just two weeks ago and said the same exact thing, Adam, that you just said, hey. which which almost scares me that we're agreeing <laughs> on. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just kidding. But I I, I said you said other people other people. <laughs> no, oh boy, no, uh, no. He, he, you know, C.D. Lamb is in a is in a you know more of a crowded situation, and so does Jerry Judy and and Justin Jefferson. He's going to have every shot in the world to start from day one, unless you have supremely high belief in Tajay Sharp or something. Uh, I think Justin Jefferson could be on the field a ton. I know it's a run heavy offense, but there's, there's still some room to operate. And uh, I, I don't disagree with that take. And I, I liked getting him really late for, for what he could possibly produce. And I just want to tell people the last 10 years who the number one rookie wide receiver has been and where he's been selected among wide receivers in the NFL draft it's usually like a top six wide receiver in the draft. Uh, Mike Williams in 2010 was 15th. Victor Cruz was an undrafted free agent in 2011. Then, T- then uh, it's gotten better, but put it this way. Uh, T.Y. Hilton really, in 2000. Really, really uh, bravo. Yeah, because on. I would expect with that information, you would just say the last eight years. I'm not. So 2012, T.Y. Hilton was the 13th wide receiver selected. Justin Blackman, I believe, was actually number one in PPR, though. T.Y. Hilton in non-PPR. And Blackman was the first wide receiver selected. Since then, Keenan Allen was the eighth wide receiver. Odell Beckham was the third. Amari Cooper was the first. Michael Thomas, sixth. Juju Smith-Schuster, sixth. Those guys are both second-round picks. Calvin Ridley, first wide receiver. A.J. Brown, fourth wide receiver drafted, second-round pick. So, um, you know, usually a top six guy in recent years, that would be Justin Jefferson, first round pick. It's been a, a first or a second round pick finishing as the number one wide receiver six straight seasons. So, he, you know, he fits the criteria. And all, all I'm saying is, you know, it's not the guy that we, that we always expect. Uh, well, we have Scott, a history of that. You do, you do more drafts, uh, obviously, outside of our group. I know you've done a couple with us already, but mm-hmm. um, the mock drafts that you've seen, has it been mostly Lamb? and Judy as the first rookie receivers off the board, because that's what we see. Yeah, it is. It 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 wouldn't surprise me at all if it's just based on opportunity, if it's Jefferson, if it's now Ayuk because of the Debo Samuel injury. Um, It could be Henry Ruggs, who was the first receiver drafted, but, you know, he could step into a a big role, obviously, with the Raiders, but we just don't expect them to be a high-volume passing offense. I know Heath likes Denzel Mims, you know, with his opportunity Mm -hmm. for the Jets. Um, you know, could be a, 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 a significant surprise, let's say like an Antonio Gandy Golden, if let's say Terry McLaurin got hurt, um, you know, somebody like that. But I, I think Jefferson, Ayuk, um, Mims, you know, uh, maybe Pittman if, if, if Hilton got hurt again and, and struggled with injuries. But uh, those guys that are stepping into significant roles um, may not be as talented as, as Lamb or Judy, but they have better opportunities like we saw last year with some of those other rookies. 
Yep. Or the, those early seasons in a player's, I, I'm a talent over situation guy, but in those first season or two, situation matters a lot. Situation yep. can change later. And that's why you want the talent in dynasty leagues. But uh, yeah, in the, in the first year or two, like now, yeah, ab- absolutely. Players like that can uh, get a lot of, uh, get a lot of reps on the field if they have a wide open. And you, and you drafted Mims and, and Mims is, you know, th- this is not a, a, a shot at their talent. They're, those guys, Jefferson's extremely talented. Okay. As we saw at yeah. LSU and, and, and I, you, you know, uh, I think a lot of people overlook him because he played at Arizona state, but and they get a lot of the same hype, but you know, again, opportunity is huge for him. I knew Adam was going to make that remark about first and second year wide receivers. And that's why every wide receiver I drafted was a top 60 pick in the NFL draft. <laughs> I knew it beforehand. So I just wanted to make sure I had them on my team. Man, like if you're taking a wide receiver who was picked after the third round of the NFL draft, good luck. Not many of them hit, honestly. Um, and, you know, I think Tyreek Hill was after the third round, right? But he fell because of character issues. So there's those situations. But that's what I really noticed is that it really does matter how early you're drafted with running backs and with wide receivers. And I think after the third day, three picks, day three picks do not have a great track record at those two positions. The Stefan Diggs and Antonio Brown types are are a rarity. Yeah, they happen for sure. But, but they are not the the norm. Um, All right. Do you guys have anything that you'd like to say about Scott's team? As I mentioned, Devante Parker, Jarvis Landry, those were his, fifth and sixth round picks, and then Christian Kirk and Will Fuller. So he went with four straight wide receivers. Um, before we get to that, let me ask you why you took Tony Pollard. You don't have Ezekiel Elliott. In fact, Heath does. Mm. Uh, no, did it, you just do that, that to piss off Heath? Because that would be, you know, I'll donate $500 if that was the reason. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> now you're putting me in a position <laughs> where, as a guy who doesn't lie, <laughs> should, should I lie for five hundred dollars uh, for charity? Uh, no, that is not. It wasn't to piss off. At, at that point in the draft, uh, I just wanted upside running back because I had two safe, secure what I thought to be safe, secure running backs. I needed to grab a couple upside running backs that, if their starter went down, they would be giant. And I think Tony Pollard might, you know, has okay flex value some weeks uh, on his own, but uh, the two running backs I took later in that draft, Tony Pollard, where I did and Anthony McFarland for run, for Pittsburgh uh, really late. Uh, those guys, if Connor goes down, if Zeke goes down, I have, you know, potential game win or league winning studs at running back. Uh, so I just, I took shots like that uh, later in the draft after I got my, you know, core secure. Final I think thoughts? the one, one thing, that I would have done differently is probably just given a little bit safer third back mm-hmm. than, you know, cause I mean, Chubb and Mixon, if healthy are never coming out of your lineup outside of their bye weeks, but uh, you know, you could be in trouble if Zeke is healthy and, and James Conner is healthy, or even if Connor goes down and it's a Snell McFarland split and you're not getting the type of production that you're hoping for. So, um, you know, I understand why you probably went a little bit more wide receiver heavy after not taking a receiver mm-hmm. until the, the spot that you did. Uh, but this is an illustration. It's it's amazing to have top three quarterback and tight end, like like you said, Scott, with two, you know, top 10 caliber running backs. But this is the the type of receiving core that you're left with if you go that route. And Parker, if he replicates his numbers from last year, could be great. As we know, Fuller, if he's played 16 games, could, you know, shatter his ADP and where you drafted him and Landry's always been good and safe when healthy. Um, 
but there's, you know, th- these are guys that are more, I think, at least the way I view them in, in the number three receiver range, as opposed to even a number one or number two, Parker would certainly profile that based on what he did last year. But um, this is the, the give and take, you know, if you want studs at one spot or in your case, studs at two spots, when we talk about going receiver or excuse me, quarterback and tight end early, this is what you potentially sacrifice. Yep. And, and you, and part of the problem with gain that I would have loved to get that RB three, but when I build a team like this, I want to get four or five or even, you know, six wide receivers, four or five, definitely four or five wide receivers that I can rotate uh, because the other parts are so secure, but you're right. It, it really crushed my RB three spot and one injury yeah. to one of those starters. And I'm, I'm in big trouble. And I guess just looking at the results, you know, you took Christian Kirk at the end of round seven and Will Fuller in round eight. You could have passed over those guys, one of them, and taken, how do you feel about this? You could have taken Damian Williams, Matt Breida, Tevin Coleman, Ronald Jones, Philip Lindsay, Tariq Cohen, Kerryon Johnson. You know, do those guys sound appealing? Not super appealing, but considering the point in draft and where my running backs were sitting with no third running back, might've been a smarter move to grab one of them. Um, maybe even earlier, maybe, uh, maybe even after that first wide receiver or two taking a, taking a better shot. Okay, Scott, thank you for participating in that. Thank you for going through your team. Let's talk about the Scott fishbowl. Okay. Do you, have you memorized all the rules, all the scoring rules? It's, It's easy. It's, it's not that difficult. All right. What do we got? (laughs) <laughs> uh running backs and wide receiver or let's start with passing passing is your normal free yardage uh touchdowns are six points in this interceptions are minus four um but here's where it gets wonky for you adam uh basically you want accurate quarterbacks who don't take sacks because if you get more than a 67 percent passer uh, uh completion percentage you get bonus points basically and uh if you get sacked you get hit with a minus one so that's that's where the wonkiness comes the rest isn't that difficult just just get accurate quarterbacks that don't get sacked but are there are there points for completions and negative for yeah that's that's the completion percentage it's one point minus one for an interception Uh and plus a half for a completion minus one minus one for an incompletion yes yeah minus four for an interception minus four for an interception okay yeah all right. So, so the quarterback is five for interception. The the quarterbacks, oh, right. yeah, I suppose. The the quarterbacks are where it gets wonky. For the running backs and wide receivers and tight ends, it's not that different. Yeah. The 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 it's a half PPR league, and you also get a half point per first down. So but you get the uh, one and a half per tight end reception. Yeah, That's... tight ends are premium. Yep. So basically, it's 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 not a whole lot different than your normal league. I am doing a uh, mock. Well, not really a mock. I guess it's a best ball league with the Scott Fishbowl rules set up by uh, John Bosch. And I have st- I was going to have Scott rank my start so I know if I know what I'm doing because I'm not sure that I know what I'm doing. Sure. I am maybe the worst record in Scott Fishbowl history. Um, in the, with the sixth wait, pick. Wait, Heath, before you go, Heath, before you go, Scott, for every negative comment you say toward Heath, Adam will make $500. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I made a mistake in the first round, I think, probably. But with the sixth pick, I took Alvin Kamara. And I think I probably should have taken Travis Kelsey. He went one pick later. With the, my second round pick, I was surprised he was there. But you're probably going to tell me I shouldn't have been. I took Tyreek Hill okay. at uh, 2.7. 
And then I took my first quarterback at 3.6. I got Tom Brady, and I was surprised he was there because I expect he's going to have a good completion percentage and not get sacked very often. Yeah, that's that's a, it's a fairly good quarterback to get in the third round. But as your QB1, I'd rather have him as my QB2. But um, I think every draft's going to be different. It, it, it feels like quarterbacks are lasting a little longer this year than they were in the past. Well, I, I think people are scared of, um, I mean, Jameis Winston's not a starter this year, but the Jameis Winston type season, which was great in regular fantasy, but would have been awful last year in this format, right? Yeah, he, he would have dropped probably 15 to 20. I think he went from QB 6 to 16, actually, in, in, uh, in this scoring. Yeah. Scott, what's your ideal build? My idea build for just a normal league or a fishbowl league? Fishbowl. Fishbowl, uh, I, I want to get one stud running back early. Uh, it's, it's start two and it's a bunch of flexes. So I just one stud running back in the first four rounds. I usually want a tight end in the first four rounds and I want two QBs in the first four rounds. That's, that's the way I want to start. And after that, you know, that's when I start hammering wide receivers and and backup running backs. Like I think your draft in our mock is a better Scott fish draft in the fishbowl. It, it would it wouldn't be bad at all. I'd I'd, right. I'd like more quarterbacks in Superflex, but that well, would be sure. that would be a, a decent decent start, especially in a, in the fishbowl where you can have four flexes. A lot of those guys I have there with upside are getting in the lineup. Scott, you could have so. you could have gone Mahomes, Andrews. I doubt you get Mixon and, and Chubb, but um, I mean that that well maybe Andrews around three. Yeah, I could probably get three of those four in the first three yeah. rounds. But Andrews, but Andrews is not a high catch guy, and it's one and a half points, so he loses value in the Scott Fishbowl, does he not? I I still think he'd probably be top top three or four because those first downs, uh, those first downs make a, make up for it, and he scores a lot of touchdowns, and touchdowns count as first downs too. If if people listening don't know that, and they they want to jump into points per first down leagues, the NFL tracks as their stats first down touchdowns as first downs. So because of that, stat providers do, and because of that, you know, league hosts do. So, so like he uh, catches he catches a ten yard touchdown pass. It's like a ten point play. Yeah. So a touchdown is really seven points for for a tight end. Tight end is so interesting. Z- Zach Ertz had more first down catches than Mark Andrews last year, for what it's worth. And now, for, like first downs are foreign to a lot of people, and to me, honestly, I I don't really have a concept of of um, what to look for. Well, you get ten yards uh, uh, to get a first down. <laughs> Like, yeah, like who who has the most drive? Most teams punt on fourth down. If right. I, okay. Okay. So I have to write that down. I never remember that, but um, because you know you watch the Eagles, they never punt. Uh, no, but like I'm look, I'm trying. I'm looking at the leaders from last year, and Ezekiel Elliott, Chris Carson, Derek Henry, Lamar Jackson led the NFL with uh, first down runs at seventy one through seventy eight to seventy one rushing touchdowns. Well, they they were over seventy. You look at receiving leaders. Michael Thomas had ninety one. Julio Jones had 77 first downs. Those are the only guys that got to 70. Uh, do quarterbacks get points for first downs or just running backs? Well, okay. well if they run a first down. So Lamar run. Jackson has to be the first pick. He's going to be a consensus top three. That's like sure. he because because of the first downs, he had 71 rushing first downs last year. Yeah. But he's probably not going to run as much. Okay, but he's going to probably blow away the field in terms of rushing first downs, right? He doesn't throw a lot the of interceptions. Oh, yeah. How, yeah, I, I would think he'd be the first pick. I, if I were picking first, I'd pick him. 
I think, I, there, think I think he, there are people that will. You can't pass on McCaffrey. I was going to look. I think he went second in hours. I believe it, I was going to pull it up. I believe, and I can just, it went McCaffrey, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Barkley, Elliott, Kamara, Kelsey, Dak, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams. That was our top 10. So you, 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 you're picking sixth, right? I was sixth, in, yeah. In, the real, in, in your real draft, too. Right? Correct. Right. And I'm picking seven. So, like, in my mind, I'm taking one of the quarterbacks if they fall, which I don't think they will. Um, one of the backs of the top four if they fall. I won't take Cook. And then Kelsey. That, that's my that, – like, if I, if I think four running backs, two quarterbacks, and then I get to seven, I'll take Kelsey. My, my big decision is going to be Alvin Kamara or Travis Kelsey. And that's going to be – I have not decided which direction. Scott, who should I take? I'd take Kelsey. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm such a, I like securing that tight end early. Would you go Kelsey Kittle? I did last year. <laughs> so yes, I would. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that move. I, I was on, uh, I was at the closer to the back corner. So, and, and for, for what it's worth, Kittle did not make it to, to, like, I don't think you can, I don't know that you'll be able to do uh, that. Was the back. Oh, I don't <laughs> think I will. I was just, you know, considering yeah. if it happened. Do we know how many, like, I'm trying to look up. Where's a good resource to look up uh, first downs? Because I I have a very short list here. Yeah, there, there's places out there. I know four for four has them. Um, there's yeah, there's. I I wish I knew better uh, firsthand or off the top of my head. Uh, some good places. I know four for four has them, but uh, it's it's pretty Googleable. It's getting it's getting more and more uh, out there and popular. Yeah, NBC Sports has a list, but they only go like 20 deep. So Adam um, played in a first down league last year. I did. I'm not sure I realized it, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying yeah, to figure out how many McCaffrey had. McCaffrey had 58 receiving and like 57 rushing first downs. Yeah, they're very That's correlated to to touches and targets. Yeah. Uh, if you follow the if you uh, follow the projected targets, it's gonna it's gonna be pretty correlated to first downs for wide receivers okay. at least. All right, Scott, man, great stuff. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, man. This is this is great. Thanks for having me. Heath and Jamie, it was great to speak to you as well. Always. It was nice for him podcast. to have you on on his show. Is <laughs> yes, thank you, Adam. Say. We appreciate it. <laughs> Man, this is like when Jax on Vanderpump Rules said it was his show. Am I right, people? Am I right, Vanderpump? All right, we're out of here, everybody. We got the top five biggest backfield battles uh, coming up on your Tuesday show. Heath, you still have to reply to the email so I know which backfields to talk about. So, you know, just try to do that. So I can, Always programming your show. So I can plan my show. I really appreciate that. Uh, thanks again to Scott Fish. We'll talk to you all later. Follow him on Twitter at scottfish 24 Donate to a charity. Do good things. And thanks for Jamie for that donation that he made on the air. That was amazing. Uh, Talk to you Tuesday. Bye, everyone. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.